I'm Chelsea Zaccato. And I'm Natalie Heacock. And this is Lumber Slingers. Each podcast, we will be bringing you relevant and useful industry information, including interviews with top lumber professionals and discussion of current events in the industry. Whether it be lumber grading, industry and market trends, or who's who in lumber, we hope to extend your current tally on industry knowledge. Hi, welcome to another episode of Lumber Slingers. Hey, Nat. Hey, Charles. Happy to be here. So happy to be here. We are in the beautiful Palm Desert right now, learning and growing at Leadership Summit from uh, Nala. Having so much fun. Lots of cool people here. Lots of really cool sessions we're excited to attend in the next couple of days. And the most exciting is we're going to do a couple podcasts. Yes, and we actually got to sit down with the president of a pretty big Midwest distribution company. We're excited to share our interview with him on leadership. So today we're actually interviewing Chad Warpinski. He's the president of Amerheart. They're a wholesale distributor of building materials, and they have 11 locations across six Midwest states. Prior to his 11 years at Amerheart, Chad worked at BevMo. They're a specialty beverage retailer in the West Coast. He began his career in investment banking after graduating from the University of Minnesota, Twin Cities, with a degree in finance. In his free time, Chad enjoys golfing, photography, traveling, and chasing around a rambunctious three-year-old with his wife, Heather. So excited for this interview. Thank you, Chad, so much for being here with us today. We appreciate you spending your Saturday morning with us, and we um, are really excited to dive into some leadership topics today. So... Let's talk about Amerheart first. (laughs) So how many employees do you have? Uh, So we're just over 300. 300. Mm -hmm. And how many locations do you have? So depending on how you count them, it's either 10 or 11. We have have a couple operations where it's like two different businesses in one building. But so we'll call it 10 across six states. All in the Midwest. Wow. And the original state was? That was Wisconsin. So started in, in Green Bay. Wisconsin in uh, 1940. Wow. So, yeah, there's an outhouse story about the original building that I've heard throughout my life, so <laughs> we don't need to go there. But it's kind of interesting where it came from and what it is now. And you, I think I saw on the website you moved locations to your current location, headquartered location. Yeah, is so, that right? Yeah, so I think we've been there since the late 70s okay. in Green Bay and then um, kind of kicked off our growth from there. So we started one location in, in Green Bay and then uh, expanded in Wisconsin and then kind of circled out throughout the Midwest. Okay. Do you have a mission statement? Yeah, we do. So we've spent a lot of time over the last couple of years talking about relevancy and how do we stay relevant in both within the industry, to our customers, to our vendors, to our own people. And so our, our mission statement kind of, it's around staying relevant and how we're going to invest in, in resources to stay relevant. So we have kind of three pillars on that side of things. It's people, uh, it's technology, and then it's kind of this fuzzy category we call experiences, which which is basically what you can expect when you're dealing with Amerheart. And it kind of guides how we, you know, we want to uh, make it as seamless for our buyers to to transact with us. And so again, but it's all centered around relevancy. And, and, and so how can we maintain that across the ecosystem that we're in? So technology, that's neat. Are mm-hmm. you guys, do you have like a team that works on that? What does that look like? Yeah, so we, we kind of started this journey uh, probably 10 years ago when we, we kind of went all in on a WMS a warehouse management system mm, within our locations. Yeah. So, um, 
painful process. <laughs> so I've heard. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We're looking into it. We don't have it, but um, I've heard it's painful, but worth it. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. Worth it. Um, so we're across all our locations, but one, our most recent, um, we bought a company in, in Southwest Minnesota that we're kind of just getting uh, set right now to, to go through that process. But what it's really helped us do is, you know, it's helped us make sure our inventories were clean. It's helped us hire new people. It kind of re- shrinks the learning curve. You know, you don't have to know every product. You just shoot the label. Mm. The, the handhelds tell you where to go. Uh, but I think, you know, so that set the foundation for us. We've been on this uh, then e-commerce journey that's kind of layered on top of that. So uh, that that kicked off about six years ago and it's ongoing right now. It's kind of a never ending project. We do about between uh, 13 and 15% of our sales online. Wow. Um, but in order to do that, so you need you need to have accurate inventories, right? Mm-hmm. You can't It can't be I call somebody and they can go check or talk to somebody to see if we have it. So it's showing in real time 24-7. So inventories need to be accurate. So that's where that WMS system comes into play. And then pricing needs to be clean too. So a ton of back-end work by a lot of people making sure that's all aligned and fixing errors. And it's kind of this ongoing evolution that we've been on. And so we're just now, so we've kind of got that base layer infrastructure built and we've been layering on top of that ever since and it's pretty cool i mean that some of the the tools and different software that are out there really is mind expanding thinking thinking about where you can take things in the digital world right because it's just ones and zeros and i don't feel like we hear about people selling online lumber online i mean i don't know of any other companies off the top of my head that do that yeah it um you know we, we like to think we're kind of unique in terms of the scale that we do it and you know, it's been a lot of a lot of work. So you can spin anything up online you want, right? It's just time and and resources. I mean, you can. Yeah. But the the interesting part is how you blend that with our existing business and how you you know get people aligned around what does the future look like? Why is this important? What is my role in that? So that's really been like most things. It always comes down to people and how do you uh, you know how do we get everybody on the same page mm-hmm. and make sure we're we're talking about it in the same way and. So yeah, that's been that's been kind of the the big challenge. That's neat. I like the three pillars. Mm-hmm. And the experience so important. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and yeah. how you got to where you are. Yeah. So I um I have a degree in finance from University of Minnesota. So I grew up I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in Green Bay. Went to school in in Minnesota, and then I went uh, and did an investment banking program. So it's kind of a three year type deal, two to three years, depending on, you know, what you sign up for. But uh, it's a a lot of experience around doing equity offerings and uh, mergers and acquisitions. So is that like crazy hours? Yeah. So that's the, uh, the like indentured servitude, (laughs) hundred plus hour week sort of thing. Lots of experience really fast. Right, right. Yeah. So that's how I like to think about it. And that's how I talk about it too. In that so it's a it's a two to three year thing, but really you're I mean you're putting you're cramming six to eight years into two to three, so it's 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 intense. But if you really want to learn a lot of things and and you have to figure a lot of things out as you go, especially at a really young age, it's it's a really good route yeah. to go. So I did that for a while, and then I worked. So I got kind of synced up with a, a private equity group out of, uh, they're, they're based in London, but I work for a company called Bevmo, as you guys would know, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, I shopped there before, I think. <laughs> yeah. A couple times. And so lived in kind of in and outside of San Francisco for about five years before then moving back to the Midwest. And, um, that's where I, uh, joined Amherst from there. And 
It's been 11 years, which is crazy. Did you get a discount on alcohol? He did. <laughs> he did. Which is, people tell me, I'm like, what were you thinking? Why would you ever leave that? Is it a crazy um, markup? Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. You don't get as big of a discount as you would think, but okay. yeah, it's, I mean, it's an interesting industry. So I bet. Yeah. So what made you want to switch to get into lump, the lumber industry? Yeah. So I guess to reset, so Amherart, um, so we're, a, well, we were a family owned business. Um, so I would be what third generation in that. Okay. Um, so my, my grandfather, along with five other partners kind of created what is the start of what Amherart is today. And then I have my, my parents' generation. There's kind of all the brothers and sisters are involved in the business and have been involved. And then uh, just really me and a, and a cousin of mine that are, that are still involved. So it's kind of cool to have that legacy. And yeah. I've been, mm-hmm. you know, we, it's interesting because you, when you're young, you know, it's like family Thanksgivings and stuff. That's all you talk about. So I was, I was <laughs> yeah. like, I'm out of here. See you guys later. Uh-huh. Have fun doing this thing. But, you know, there's a strong pull once you get older and mature and kind of reevaluate what you want out of your life and things mm-hmm. like that, that, that um, makes it kind of neat to be a part of. It is funny. It's like, you want to run away from it. I'm second generation in lumber. So you want, <laughs> you do, you want to run away from it. Yeah. Go do your own thing. And then somehow... <laughs> You get pulled back in. <laughs> it does. It really is. It, it's an industry. It, you know, it's probably one of those things where it's it, not necessarily the easiest industry to recruit in, into. But mm-hmm. once you're in, you don't I leave. mean, people don't yeah, really go outside the ecosystem then. So, um, so I kind of like to think that's what the Midwest is like. You know, it's a lot of people, you know, it's cold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lots of snow. But, but once you're there, it's, um, it's hard to pull people away. So Yeah. Just a bunch of good people, really, in the Midwest. It is uh, solid, salt of the earth. Most. <laughs> <laughs> so now that we kind of know your career path and getting getting where you got, what does leadership mean to you? Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, I think for me, so I'm a big believer in kind of having a growth mindset. Um, you know, always wanting to learn and do more, and that's where you kind of expand your capabilities mm-hmm. and. And so for me, you know, I, I think about a couple things. So the, you know, what I really try to do with our team is to both um, give them space and then also be really supportive though, too. So, uh, and I think that that just goes back to having that, that growth mindset and that you need the space to be able to maximize what you do really well. And you also need, you know, some slack in the rope that if it doesn't work out, it's, it's going to be okay as long as we're Right. failing forward to use a cliche, but I really do believe that, that if, if, if there's a good plan, it's well thought out, you, you're never really failing. You mm-hmm. kind of learn from your mistakes and go forward. So I think, you know, as, as most of us, I'm sure you guys would agree, hire good people and let them do what they do best and then try to be supportive along the way and maximize, you know, what they're capable of and their strengths and, and give, end up in a good spot no matter what. Yeah. Do you think that you were taught those principles or do you think that that's part of our generation and how our current day leaders are? Uh, that's a really good question. You know, I think some of that is definitely a, a generational thing. You know, it's less kind of command and control <laughs> and more, you know, figure it out. And, you know, you want to, especially when you're working in an organization, you know, to have the freedom to be able to, that, that you can kind of control and, and maximize what you do best and explore things without having to worry about, you know, getting your head bitten off if you mm-hmm. screw up. I think that's mm-hmm. definitely a, that's definitely a generational thing. Yeah. I think that's how we keep people. 
Yeah. They like, I mean, from my experience, people like being able to control their own destiny and be able to make their own decisions without somebody telling them. Commanding, commanding and controlling. Yeah. Right. right. More autonomy is, you know, more motivating mm-hmm. for most, especially in sales. Mm-hmm. So that kind of describes what kind of leader you are then. You're a little bit, like you said, space. What does that space look like that you give your employees? Well, you know, I would probably the polar opposite of, uh, it's probably almost unhealthy uh, in terms <laughs> of the, like micromanaging side of things. Like sometimes there's things where I'm like, wait, wait, we're doing what? Yeah. Um, but again, you know, it, it just comes back to me. If you have capable people and you kind of give them the freedom to do what they do best mm-hmm. uh, in course, correct along the way, um, you know, most things tend to tend to work. I'd be much better than me pretending I know everything and being able to direct everything, which just isn't the case. I'd be lying to myself in that, in that case. So, you know, I think, you know, the, there, there's definitely the big strategic things that, at a certain level, you have to stay involved in, but um, you know, there's so many other day-to-day things that that I think once you just realize that you can't do it all, mm-hmm. and, and I think that that's probably a hard-earned lesson, especially if you're if you're younger. You know, you want to kind of absorb everything and um, you know own as much as you can. But right. I think knowing what to let go of and and not be a part of versus trying to be a part of everything is 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 important. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a really good point too, because I've, this might've happened to you. I felt like it happened to me when you come up into a role, as opposed to being hired for a role, then you did do everything right. You were doing the day-to-day activities. Right. And then once you take on your new role, trying to find that balance of like, okay, I can let these things go now, but I used to, I was in charge of them for so long. And it's, you were good at them. That's yeah. why, what got you to where you <laughs> exactly. were, right? Yeah. Like, no, it's definitely tough for sure. Yeah. And I kind of miss some of those things, but I actually don't anymore. But I did at the beginning. I was like, oh, I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's really important. I think, I think I'm kind of more in the middle of learning that what is okay to let go of and what not, because you don't want to fall. You don't want to fail people, but you want to give them, like you said, enough room to grow and learn. If you put it, the responsibility or ownership on them and you, like you said, hired a good person, the right person then you have to trust the process that's yeah. going to happen. So. Yeah. Yeah. And you can either, and so if you go the opposite route, you own every decision, every, and so, and it's impossible to, I mean, I mean, yeah. in our industry generally, there's so much expertise and so much people, with, so many people with tenure and mm-hmm. um, that, you know, it, it, you don't have to be part of everything. Like right. there, I'm never going to know everything there is to know right. about lumber or decking or whatever it is. <laughs> yep. So you could kid yourself that maybe you will, or you could let the people actually do know. Right. Run with yep. them. Yeah. And That's lean into the point. strengths that you have, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So do you have a mentor or a previous boss or somebody that made a big impact on you? Yeah. You know, I, so when I think about this, I go all the way back to when I was in high school, I had a, so I, was lucky to be part of a really good high school football team. And we had a, this incredible coach that I just think, you know, there's so many lessons. It's a team sport, first of all. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, you, you just have to, you're not, no matter how, how well you do, the nothing's going to hinge on you individually, right? And I think there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of ties to the business world from that too. But, um, you know, I, I just think a lot of the the lessons on, especially, and maybe it was just the age we were at, but um, important age. Yeah, yeah, and so he, I mean, he did this incredible job of being 
kind of very purposeful and, and disciplined in things, but giving you space to also fail without making you feel humiliated. If that makes mm-hmm. sense to kind of walk this line. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of those things just stuck with me, the building blocks. You know, I can't, can't remember anything specifically, but a lot of the messaging behind it is right. I still kind of play that through my head. So that's really neat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What yeah. position did you play? Just I, wondering. Actually, I played play <laughs> defensive end. I was like, eh, maybe 30, 40 pounds heavier. <laughs> I feel a lot better now, though. So, yeah. Just curious. So you became president of Amherart in twenty twenty or twenty nineteen? Uh, the end of twenty nineteen. Twenty. Okay. So, what a great time to become a president <laughs> of a company. Yeah, right when it hit the fan. Right? So, what's been your biggest challenge since becoming president? Yeah, that's that's another good question. Um, you know, I feel like I could take the cop out and say COVID. I mean, that was probably in terms of just existential, what's going to happen. The biggest challenge working through some of those things, you know, it's hard to almost think back now, two years ago that when everything happened, it was, you know, how are we going to pay people? Mm-hmm. Are we all going to get sick and I don't know, end up in the hospital? Um, so there's a lot of just kind of chaos going on around that, but I want to pivot from that. Cause again, that's the easy one. You know, I think the, one of the, biggest, the biggest things being in uh, a leadership role is just all the paradoxes you have to deal with. So think about, you know, in terms of making decisions, like you have to be very principled when you make decisions, you have to be able to frame the problem up and and think about it in a certain way. But then, you know, you also have to be humble enough to know you don't know everything. Mm -hmm. You have to be strategic, but you also have to be pragmatic. There's all these kind of, you have to balance these two Completely polar opposite things. You have to give people space, but you also have to provide direction. So it's definitely, you know, the kind of how do you operate in the in-between and how do you balance those right. things is, I think, uh, um, you know, it's a, it's a mentally, there's a high mental load in trying to in, do that. And so confident, but humble. I mean, there's all sorts of, of, of trade-offs in there, but mm-hmm. that's probably been the, the, the most challenging thing, especially when it comes at the, you know, at the organization level on trying to make sure we don't screw it up and keep growing in the right direction. Right, right. Do you like being president? I do. Yeah. I, some days more than others. <laughs> um, you know, when people say, so stuff rolls downhill, I think that's actually the opposite. I think stuff actually rolls, rolls up. uphill. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would, I can see that. <laughs> so say there's somebody maybe in lumber or not, but somebody that's aspiring. You've had such a, like cool career path, getting to where you are. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to somebody who's aspiring to be a leader? Maybe they're not yet. Yeah, I think I, so. I read this in the prep questions you guys sent. This is the <laughs> one I had to think the most about um, as I was flying yesterday. I think that especially for if you're say 40, 35 and under, you know, there's this imposter syndrome I think we all mm-hmm. have. And so especially when you, you know, when you get either promoted or you land in a certain role with more responsibility than you had, it's, I think it's kind of natural to, to think, you know, okay, how am I going to be able to handle this? Do I even know how, why am I in this role? I can't make these decisions. I know nothing about lumber, whatever the case might be that, but I, you know, I think especially when you're, it's easy to second guess when you're younger, I think too, like I don't have as much experience as these, as these people, how am I ever going to add value? But I think you need to lean into that a bit and 
know that, especially if you have good values and kind of principles from how you think about things, it's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day, but to zoom out and, and, and kind of build that confidence as a younger person or as an aspiring leader, because uh, otherwise you'll, you'll just have paralysis. You'll never want to make decisions. You'll never right. want to stick your neck out there. And then you'll never grow as a result of that. So, um, you know, I think I'd be lying. I have this every, almost every day on, okay, am I the right person to be making this decision? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if you lean into it and even if you screw up, you grow from it, that um, I think it's, it's important for everybody. But I think especially for people that are younger, it's, it, it's critical. Yeah. I like how you said zoom out because for me, I feel like stepping into the CFO role, I felt very similar to what you're saying. And for me, it was like, okay, my end goal is to be CFO. So take all these in-betweens and just do one day at a time. Like what's the next step? tomorrow that's going to get me to that end goal instead of can I do it? Am I qualified? You know, all these things. And so I think goal setting is really important, but even that really long-term goal setting of this is where I want to be and circling back to it when you feel that imposter syndrome or like you can't do the, do the job. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's really good. I mean, you have to have a goal in mind, otherwise you'll end up somewhere else. Right. Right. So yeah, keeping that's kind of, you got to have this, be able to zoom out and in and so, yeah. Do you, does your executive team do any sort of formal goal setting? We do every, every few years, we um, kind of do a refreshed strategic plan okay. um, for the, uh, and then annually we kind of have a, uh, we have an informal budgeting process, but it's more about what are we going to focus on? And then also trying to establish, and um, I'm pretty big on this is, okay, so if we're going to focus here, what do we have to not do in order to be able to spend the amount of time that's, we need that's to That's really good. Because no one wants to yeah. take anything off the list or right. I want to stop doing that or I maybe like doing that, but mm-hmm. it's not where we want to focus. And that's, I think that's really hard for, for people to let go of things like that, especially if it was something they were good at in the past mm-hmm. or was important and is maybe not so important anymore. That's just hard. Human nature sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Circling back to technology, mm-hmm. do did you or do you get a lot of pushback when you have new technology initiatives? Yeah, I mean the um, I think from a, the standpoint of piling another thing on people's list, that's definitely there. You know, it's a lot of there's a lot of communication on that t- those type of things on okay, this is why it's important. This is what we're trying to get to. Uh, kind of working from the end in mind, like you used the, the reference that your CFO rule, but it's nothing. You know, it takes time. Uh, I think that's the one thing I've learned. I think from the, when we, when we started this, it was like, we're going to do this, this, and that, and this, and that. And it was like, okay, hold on. Uh, People can't process all this plus continue to keep doing their, their, you know, their sales role or whatever it might be on on top of that. So kind of learned to, okay, pause, make sure we're all kind of aligned and everyone knows why we're doing this. um, So that, you know, as things kind of are communicated down the chain, it's not like, well, I don't know, it's just something else we have to do. It's, there's a tie back to the, strategic value that's there you know and that goes for anything but i think technology specifically just because you know things that generally are newer and it, they're different which mm-hmm. people don't like different sometimes right <laughs> right no <laughs> <laughs> just think about fax machines we had fax machines when i started at the company and we used them for the next like eight or nine years <laughs> we finally president of our company Grabbed it one day and threw it out. Is it like, <laughs> like the office space thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> not there was, this anymore. There was no <laughs> yeah. warning. Like, I wasn't there, so I can't completely speak to it. But didn't he just walk in and walk just in say, and unplugged it and threw it out? So we're done. 
<laughs> we're gonna get with the times. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's just a good example. Like maybe you like the fax machine. Right. Have you ever? And so you got that one person who's like, I'm comfortable with this. I know right. which buttons to hit, and and so yeah. I mean, it, it on, on the technology front, that's definitely every project's like that. Yeah, it is really refreshing. Like when I'm filling out forms, it's like fax, and I'm like N A. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We do, do not do have. Yeah. Remove this line. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, that was some good stuff. And rapid fire? Yeah. Okay. So we didn't send you these ones. Okay. So they have to be on purpose. All right. But they're, they're quick. You don't okay. have to go too deep, hopefully. Um, okay. What is the last book you read? Last book. So I'm just about done reading The Effective Executive by Ooh. Peter Drucker. It was written in like 1965 or something like that. Uh, short book. A lot of like really hit these short lessons, things you can take away from it. It's not one of these like behemoth 500 page, mm-hmm. you know, fall asleep every 20 page book. So, <laughs> yeah, I like um, that. Yeah, it's, re- it, it's really good. What is the most recent thing you learned within the industry? Most recent. This one's a hard one to be a rapid fire. We might have to relate to it. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it could be like. Well, I learned how, I learned how, uh, acquisition works yeah. <laughs> in the distribution space so yeah that's perfect yeah. that's, a, that's a pretty big lesson yeah. Yeah. um how would you describe the lumber industry in one word uh relationships people i've listened to a few of your podcasts before <laughs> so i know this is a worn broken record but it really is i mean it truly is it's i don't know i've never been part of anything else that it has had whether your competitors you know, everyone just gets along and it's for the greater good you know, which I don't know. There's probably other industries out there like that, but not many. Right. And last one, what's your favorite thing about the industry? I got to pick something besides people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I think there's, there's just kind of this figure it out. You know, it's such a kind of distributed industry across the supply chain, right? There's so many steps and Mm -hmm. there's so many things that whether it's logistics, whether it's, new products, new ways of building. There's a lot of things that just on a day-to-day basis need to get figured out. And I think it makes it a dynamic industry to be in. So, and especially one that you wouldn't think if you were on the outside looking in, you wouldn't think you think it'd be like stale and yes. old and stale. Right. But I think once you're in it, there's, there's so many different players and different parts. And so, yeah, I think uh, just the dynamic nature of it is, it's a lot of fun. Now I have one I've been adding on to Natalie's because I really like <laughs> And thank you for spending your Saturday morning with us. Yeah, so I'd like to ask what your ideal Saturday looks like. I'd probably be out here on the on the golf course, like, you know, <laughs> putting a putting a couple balls in that pond I see up there. <laughs> so um, yeah, I just like I mean I just like golf because it's kind of mentally freeing, and I mean you got to hit the balls, so you can't really think about much else. Uh, nice. Kind of value stuff like that now, especially you know, when you're so busy, just to have those moments to remove yourself from everyday life and kind of clear your head. Yeah, and being outside. Yeah, and being outside. It is very therapeutic. I would agree with you. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Well, Chad, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. It was. I learned a lot from you. It was. Yeah. It was a awesome. You've done a lot, and you're short. I feel like you're so young, and it's impressive what you've done so far. And and I. Hope we can continue to learn from you, and I'm excited. Oh, thank you. Well, also, I got to say, too, so I haven't listened to all your podcasts, but I think the approach you guys take is really refreshing in an industry that tends to be 
skew a little bit older, skew a little bit more. You know, there's so many experts that you guys kind of take that beginner's mindset and you ask questions that, and you can call them dumb questions. You can call them, I don't, so I take that back. Dumb questions. <laughs> but you ask questions, I know you, you ask questions that like, if you are outside the industry, you could listen to it and kind of start to understand what it's all about. And I don't know there's nothing like that out there. So well, thank you. you guys do a thank great you. job. Thank you very thank much. Thank you very much. It means a lot.